The sweet sound of sports you love from Sling. The collide of football pads. The squeak of shoes on a basketball court. The crack of the bat on a home run. The slice of skates cutting across the ice. But what about this one? That's the sound of all the sports you love. All at once. Starting at $40 a month. Experience it all live with Sling. Sling. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Ah, the good old Eastern Conference. Hopefully someone will actually listen to this because uh, we did the West yesterday. West always seems to get better numbers than the East does. When we do the 15 and 60, the East is, gets like 85% of the listens uh, of the West. But nonetheless, we cover the entire NBA. That is our mantra here at the Dunked On NBA Basketball Podcast. And let's get right to it, Danny, with the Atlanta Hawks. Yeah, so the Atlanta Hawks, last year, they won 24 games. They had the point differential of a 24.5 win team. And this year, the over-under is set at 24 wins. So there's an, uh, it's not symmetry, but there's a balance there. And that actually makes sense when you consider that their roster didn't turn over that much. I mean, the most notable change is going to obviously be Dennis Schroeder for Trey Young. And I think that's where I want to start in terms of my own analysis. Is just that while you and I are both high on Trey Young, you're higher than I am, but we're both, I think, higher than the the kind of the national average of people like us. It is also true that not only do teenage point guards usually suck, but Trey Young in particular, just because his game is so unusual, even though his passing might translate earlier, I, even though we're both high on him, I think we both expect him to be a destructive player this year. <laughs> yes, to his own team. <laughs> Correct. Uh, yeah, yeah, like Den- I, I, Dennis I, I, Smith and, is a good example here. Yeah, no, I, and I think, I mean, especially Young is going to really, it's going to be a wild I think before he really finds the sweet spot with his shot selection and then you also add in the fact that they don't have anybody else in the team other than Jeremy Lin they may play together a little bit but those are also the only two point guards on the, the roster as uh, you noted with uh, Brett Rowland uh, on the podcast they're they only have two point guards on the roster and Jeremy Lin is, is a pretty big injury risk and Young is a rookie so that's a concern and since Young is really the only creator that they have I mean maybe you could say Torian Prince with what he was able to do in the last month or so of the season last year but that was uh tanking basketball we know we've been fooled by that before so i think young is going to shoot a very poor percentage i think he will flash he will show some passing acumen he's going to suck defensively he's going to not be strong enough defensively and as bad as you can say that Schroeder was last year, uh, as bad as Schroeder was defensively, they also still have the, these three rookies who are going to play. Uh, you also imagine, again, that uh, some of the vets that they do have uh, could be moving on towards the end of the season. So uh, let me ask you this. I mean, they won 24 last year. That was right at their point differential. I mean, are they a better or a worse team this year? My inclination is they're a little worse with young poised to get all these minutes i agree with you something that's different about the hawks than some of these other kind of like lower end teams that we've dealt with recently is i actually like their veterans a fair amount you know like kent Bazemore can play and he can defend which i enjoy and i don't exactly yeah, a, know another that. potential trade candidate of course sure and it's the same kind of thing with deadman like i think deadman can help a team and he could fit in well with what they're trying to do i'm not totally sold on like alex Lund. they have these also this batch of young veteran type guys but yeah. i don't think those th- those players to 
me aren't good enough to like save or redeem this team. And I, and I don't think that's what the Hawks want. I think that's kind of the, the idea and a little bit of what Travis Schlenk did is getting guys like Jeremy Lin, like they're solid vets. They'll make the team more feisty, but they won't win a lot of games. So yeah, I would say they're a little bit worse. You have the variance. Like if they win a couple of close games, they can get into it. I, I don't think they're just abject awful, but I so saw I was comparing them in my head a little bit to the Kings and like their elements. That I think each, each of those teams does better, but a lot of it to me comes back to this year's Trey Young versus this year's De'Aaron Fox. And while I like Young better as a prospect, he's going to need to get some development. He's going to need to get some seasoning. And so I'm 24 is a low total because that means they need 23 to truly go under. And that's a rough season. But remember, the Hawks have their own pick. They have they, they, they're probably the most comfortable tanking team in the league. So I think the other thing I want to mention here, just because they're the first team where this is really appropriate, is the evening of the odds for the bottom three spots that could end up swinging this over under as well because it could be that they're just in the bottom and then they're just winning a couple extra games because they are more indifferent to winning at the end of the season than the other teams are some of the other teams they end up facing in the last two weeks of the year yeah and also as we mentioned yesterday it still behooves you to get the number one seed in the lottery just because you limit your downside if teams jump above you. Uh, so that's an important aspect of this as well. But even though you do have you know four slots now of teams moving up, in the yeah, lottery. like it, it's 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 a it's a more marginal benefit, but it is still a benefit, and that that's something teams can sell themselves on. Another thing to note too is Mike Budenholzer is a well-established coach. Certainly, there was some tanking involved last year, especially down the end. And you remember Schroeder, I think you know played really well in one game, and then they took him out. I think they ended up winning that game in a crazy Torian Prince shot anyway uh, against the Suns. Is what what that was actually pretty late in the season. It might have been March, but uh, Budenholzer's still well established as a good coach Pierce uh, is not you know we don't know really what to expect from him he was not even really a guy who had gotten a lot of pub as a coaching candidate we don't really know what his rep is I think there's an, an idea that he's a good development coach uh sort of along the lines of, of a Kenny Atkinson type uh but you know I mean I think you have to imagine that as a first year head coach he, it's more likely than not that he's kind of closer to the bottom uh, of NBA coaches uh but you know, he, he could surprise, obviously, but you, you'd have to say that. It, you would guess he would be a downgrade from Coach Bud until finding out differently. Um, the fact that it's gone up to 24 makes me comfortable more with the under now, especially with Young potentially being a disastrous player this year. Again, someone that we like, especially with Lynn as a huge injury risk, as a trade candidate, as a buyout candidate, as uh, the only other point guard on the roster, uh, and the only other point guard on a roster that has very little minute or very limited perimeter creation. So I will go with under the 24. What are you sticking with here? I'm going to go under as well. I mean, it, it just, it feels like a more natural fit with their, not only their talent, but their motivations this year, because they don't, they don't need to win. And so those, some of those games, especially early in the year when they're facing, let's say like the Suns, like, A, I think the Suns are a better team, but I also think the Suns are trying more at the beginning of the season. They have these organizational imperatives that might fall away eventually. And so maybe the Hawks build up a little bit of a lead on this number and then come back to it a little bit. But yeah, I mean, Young's going to be a factor there. 
there. And also, I, I'm going to be very interested to see this team's record in close games because I could imagine them really struggling to get reliable offense once other teams batten down the hatches defensively, which NBA teams don't always do every second of every game, but they do in the last five minutes of a close game. And so unless Young is on fire, they don't have a lot of other like loci for generating reliable shots. And so that could be a really big problem. Is it loci or loci? I don't know. Well, it's a locus, right? So it's probably loci. But some li- some, li- never, some I've listener never will actually know. heard. I've never actually heard someone say that word. It's a word I've only seen in print. So uh, anyway, this is uh, <laughs> we've made our picks. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> so the next to one Boston. is to me, to me is absolutely fascinating. So Boston, I mean, so they won 55 last year. We know the injuries they dealt with. They, I call, I in my head, I call their starting five the 515 club because that's how many, that's how much time they played last year, five minutes and 15 seconds, and that's incredible that they won 55 games. Kyrie, of course, missed a lot of the end of the year and the entire playoffs. But with the line set at 59 and a half, what you're saying if you're going over is the Boston Celtics are going to win at least 60 games. So the worst record they're going to have and and succeed here is 60 and 22 yeah that's a big big number and the next time you talk for a while i'm going to go back and look and see how many have been that high but i mean that's basically you know golden state warriors miami heat san antonio spurs i mean i think those are the only teams in the last five or six years or so you know those lebron miami teams that have had over unders of 59 and a half or more uh and and generally you just don't make money by predicting teams to win 60 games i mean there's one or two of those a year but uh and this team while they have a ton of talent for sure does not have the pedigree of playing at that level yet a a year ago expected wins of 52 and yeah you know and they were the number one defense in the nba um you know we'll see whether that continues this year uh with Irving playing more you know he was a downgrade from some of their defensive guys uh they still defended pretty well with him out there though where is Gordon Hayward you know he's only played one preseason game didn't shoot it well uh but I I don't take much stock in that Uh, as of yet you know I might feel more comfortable if I really were truly convinced that he was back in a week and a half from now and maybe I will predict them to win 60 if it looks like he's uh, awesome in the preseason but they just if a team has not played at that level yet to me, it is very difficult to predict them to win 60. And so that's why I'm going to uh, go with the under, especially when you consider they started this at 57 and a half and now it's up to 59 and a half 57 and a half would have actually been difficult for me that would have been kind of right on the borderline uh but if you're picking them to win 60 they got to get to 60 to win it uh this is one where actually the line moving has made it easier for me uh, in contrast to a lot of these so i will go with the under i expect them to be an absolutely fabulous team but i just haven't seen it all come together in that type of a way yet with these guys they do have a ton of talent uh but they don't have that absolute top 10 player you know maybe Kyrie was on the borderline of that last year when he was healthy but he's coming off of surgery as well he missed an entire uh off season and yeah Jason Tatum Jalen Brown those guys could develop but how are all the touches going to work out with those guys Al Horford is a year older they still will be very very dependent on him can he perform at the incredible level that he played last year so they have this team just has too many question marks for me to pick over and say yes they are going to win 60 games uh they have a ton of potential it's a fabulous team they might be the biggest threat to Golden State this season, but I can't go there yet. 
when I did this with Arturo, I got it at 57 and a half. And so I picked the over because I think Boston has a lot of the, you brought up the Spurs as an, as, as, as a 60 kind of win team, a team that had that as an expectation. And they have some of those elements because Boston is incredibly deep. Their second unit will just crush teams because they, they have a, just a ridiculous amount of talent there. Yeah. And they, they defend they'll, and they're incredibly well coached. So those are elements that make it so you beat all the bad teams. They're, they play well at home. They have a lot of room to grow internally. I mean, the young guys can get better. They don't really have that many guys on the wrong side of the age curve. You know, Baines might not have the same year he did before. We'll see. I mean, Horford, I just love Al Horford, but maybe, you know, maybe he takes a physical, like a half step back or something like that. We don't know. But why I'm going to go under this line is just because I think there's a, it's probably in the 40s for me, the chance that Boston wins 60 games. Like there's this team could absolutely do it. Like it wouldn't surprise me in the slightest. But the problem is there isn't anywhere else to go. Like we're, we're talking about the best kind of outcomes there. And so I think it's below 50%. And if it's below 50%, then I can't pick the over at, at 59 and a half. It's just too high to say, oh, they're definitely there yet. And I'm open to the possibility that I feel stupid about it. it was like well yeah this team i mean they beat all the bad teams they they compete defensively look at how good their young players are this is not an indictment of any of those things it's that 60 wins is an absolute ton especially when they have two other really really good teams in their division and the other top teams in the league are strong like i mean at, even though houston is not what they were last year in my opinion they can absolutely beat boston you know one game or two out of the year and once you start adding up a couple of those then it, it, it gets tough and so i think they're going to be somewhere in the 57 to 62 range and 57 and so i'm i'm just going to go under it's it's tough though because i believe in boston i believe in them a lot yeah i think so too and you know they're also going to be playing hayward and Kyrie. not that many minutes i think you did mention the depth and the depth is good though maybe not as much at the big man spots although they've gotten good play out of to the less heralded guys i'm not i'd be skeptical if they get as much out of aaron baines as they did last year uh and daniel tice you know he's coming off surgery who knows what to expect from him robert williams is a total wild card uh but yeah it's just it hasn't all come together yet there's too many health questions there's too many chemistry questions which could all be resolved favorably but uh yeah 60 wins is just a ton before we move on i want to tell you about Robinhood, an investing app that lets you buy and sell stocks efts options and cryptos all commission free one of the best things about Robinhood is their design they present all the data in an easy to digest way I say data. I'm not a, a David Fisdale data guy. I mean, it's it's Lieutenant Commander Data on Star Trek, right? I mean, that's that to me is about as uh, definitive as pronunciation can get. Uh, but because the data is presented so well, it makes it a non-intimidating way for stock market newcomers to invest for the first time with confidence. And it just takes four taps on your smartphone to place a trade. And they've got a personalized news feed for you so you can discover new stocks, trap your favorite companies as well, and get custom notifications for price movements so you never miss the right time to invest and once again no commission fees you can trade stocks keep all of your profits they're trying to make financial services work for everyone not just the wealthy so the way to get started with them difference with the link here capspace is actually at the start of it capspace.robinhood.com and if you go to that link you can get a free stock like apple ford or sprint to help build your portfolio once again sign up at capspace.robinhood.com once again capspace space.robinhood.com. All right, what we got for the Brooklyn Nets? 
So Brooklyn last year, they won 29 games. They had the point differential of a 31-win team, and they added pretty significant depth in my opinion, but the Vegas over-under only went up a little bit. It went up to 32, and it is a little bit weird because their their starting lineup isn't necessarily overhauled. I mean, Jared Allen's going to be a regular starter this year instead of you know just kind of the, the weird mismatch that they had a little bit of last year at center, but they have so much more depth, and so I, I feel pretty good good about this over this is i mean as we've talked about the lines calibrating since we're doing this so much later in the process and one of the best arguments that in favor of the nets here beyond i think kenny atkins is a very good coach is that they have a lot of depth and when you have a lot of like quality depth what that hopefully allows for is a withstanding injuries but b if players exceed expectations you expect that those players are going to play more so if my old friend travion graham the guy that i brought up in every single offseason pre- you if he if he's as good if he's as good as i the, the references that i made well, okay then that then helps maybe he's not great but alan crab has a better year or any number of guys they just have they have this kind of optionality at a lot of different positions and they can go in these different directions i mean kenneth freed is a good example here kenneth freed if he really bounces back and contributes great if he doesn't they have a bunch of other guys to go there so i feel pretty good about this over Oof. It's just tough because, yeah, they have the depth, but is there a single player on this team who's in the top 15 in the NBA at their position? I doubt top it. Top 20 in the NBA at their position? Oof, Maybe gets, Jared gets Allen tough. gets there? You yeah. know, it's just at some point you well, need and guys you get it, And you create. get into an interesting question about like, yeah, they have D'Angelo Russell. Hopefully it'll be closer to 100%, but is 100% D'Angelo Russell better than Spencer Dinwiddie? That's an open question. I mean, Dinwiddie... I yeah, mean, and we talked on, on the preview about how hard it's going to be to get that closing lineup. And yeah, you know, I think they can win games, you know, in the end of the first quarter, beginning of the second quarter, and same thing in the second half. But down the end of games, you know, I think they're they're going to be probably outclassed at just about every position, you know, and being efficient offense at the end of games, I think is going to be difficult for this team. You, know, you could see them being a little bit worse uh, than their point differential for that reason. Uh, and then just the whole Russell thing too. I mean, that like they're going to play him. They've invested in him in theory, although, you know, maybe they'll just give up on him at some point if he's not producing, but hard to see them defending when he's out there. And, and so I, I really, I don't know. And also uh, another thing to remember too here, Danny, is they actually have their pick for the first time. In Wait, that, that's allowed? I mean, have they had have they had their own first round pick unencumbered? They haven't during the life of Dunkton. This will be the first time. Uh, not only the life of Dunkton, my friend, it has been five years since they controlled their own first round pick. And don't forget that they were actually pretty good the couple of years before that, 2012, 2013. So uh, 2014, uh, although I think 2014 gets into where they had already traded the picks. So yeah, I, I think the counter to that is, well, they're trying to look good. They're trying to show they have a core to bring in two max free agents. I don't expect them to succeed with that. It doesn't sound like they are really involved Involved in the Jimmy Butler talks to any significant degree. I don't think he makes a ton of sense for them unless there's a thought that he'll bring it a second star with him and they'll have space for two max free agents anyway. And they don't want to pay that five-year deal to Butler as we talked about on yesterday's program in the Minnesota section. So 
yeah, I I don't like it too much. I, I think I'm going to go with the under here. I just don't think that they have enough talent on this team. It just, you know, they have a lot of good NBA players, or, or I should say not even good. They have a lot of decent NBA players. But, you know, I, I don't know who you can even look at on this team. It's like, oh, this guy's a solid starter. You know, I, I mean, there's, there's starting guys who probably should be backups at nearly every position, even though they have other good backups backing up those those backups. Yeah, I think some of it for me is just a belief in in Kenny Atkinson. I think, and and these guys last year they they fought a lot, which I really enjoy. And this year, I mean, there are even more guys that they can throw at the, at the situation. But this could be a situation. I talked about this a little bit yesterday. That on these kind of on the ones that are more in the middle ground, like it's a well set line. Like I think this is a totally fine line. I've had trouble being too optimistic at moments in the past. I might be being too optimistic with the Nets, but I I'm trying to be more cautious. But I still like the Nets a lot, so I'm gonna i'm gonna roll the dice with them when i might not with some other teams yeah and a year ago i mean they did have an expected one loss of 31 games and you i mean would you expect them to be better this year yeah you know maybe you should yeah and they won the 28 last year but uh expected one loss of of 31 you could say hey they could be one game better but you know also a lot of those wins were without d'angelo russell in the lineup and i think you know if he actually is better and can play something approaching passable defense and, and winning basketball or he just gets cut out of the rotation more and Dinwiddie gets more of the minutes uh, and he plays well he quietly regressed towards the end of last year but I'm still optimistic uh, because of the explosion that he showed getting to the rim uh, on him so and, and then you could see someone like Damari Carroll get traded they probably won't do too much trading because they want to keep that cap space open but I'm uh it just yeah you're like uh, it seemed like smoke and mirrors for them to get to 31 last year and it just doesn't seem especially Especially since they have the pick. That's the ultimate thing for me. So I will go with the under on the Brooklyn Nets. Under 32. Next up, the Charlotte Hornets. The Hornets last year won 35 games, but they had the point differential of a 41 and a half win team. Oh my God. Th- this fucking team, man. Yeah. Like and- every year with this shit, like, like we're like, oh, that seems so low. Like they're this is one of our best bets let's take the over on the Hornets they burn us every year yeah. and we're and now it's so low 35 and a half it's uh I, I was I really you know it's it they are to a point you know Lucy with the football where it's like every year there's a reason to believe in them you <laughs> you and I both really like Kemba Walker you know they're that now they have Borrego who's an interesting coach we'll see what his, his philosophical differences to compared to Steve Clifford who it's not that's not like a a bad coach to a good coach or anything it's more you know i think clifford's a solid coach to an unknown but they have options here i like that borrego in the early part of the preseason he's a little bit more flexible with mkg and i mean the fact that teams are very comfortable not guarding mkg as a jump shooter is really really hurts him offensively if he plays on the second unit that could be there they're actually playing jeremy lamb more i like jeremy lamb i continued actually for those who are patreon subscribers liam and i talk a little bit about jeremy about how neither one of us can quit jeremy lamb so the for Hornets fans, you can get some positives there. And yeah, yeah, neither of us can quit the Hornets in these over-unders either. Right. And so, so like the other just massive thing that I want to talk about here is the easiest argument for their 
under is the prospect that they trade Kemba Walker. And I mean, if they trade Kemba Walker, they're not going to be getting somebody as good as Kemba Walker. And he is so important to their offensive viability. I mean, like last year, they were they they won those those 36 games with the 42 point differential, and they had the number 10 offense in the league. And that's really Kemba focused, especially when you consider how historically bad their bench was most of last season. Got better towards the end, and they should have a better bench this year. I, I've been intrigued by some of the guys that they've been playing. You know, not necessarily that Tony Parker is great shakes, but they at least have Devonte Graham as well. If Parker disappoints, they have a little bit more depth there. And damn it, I'm going with the over again. I, I, I it, it's too low. If they had set this at like 37, I, I would have been a little more uncomfortable. But it's 35 and a half. Like they can be. I, I think they're going to be competing for a playoff spot, partially because the East is so unbelievably terrible at the bottom. But still, I, I, I can't. I, I'm there again. Yeah, I think I actually, as of now, I reserve the right to change my opinion when we do our official prediction podcast the day before the season. But uh, I had them at 37 wins with Spencer Percy. So I'm going to have to reluctantly go with the over. Uh, I'm that child who just keeps reaching for the pan that is too hot and burning myself. I'm going to do it again with this team. Uh, But Maybe the one way that this really unravels is Walker gets hurt, takes a step back, or gets traded. Uh, but, you know, I, I don't think he gets traded unless he... I think two things would have to happen for him to get traded. Number one, he would have to say, there's no way I'm resigning. And number two, they would have to be completely out of playoff contention already when the trade deadline comes around. Uh, and so, I, you know, I don't think both those things are going to happen. Clearly, Mitch Kupchak was brought in on a platform of trying to continue to build and get to the playoffs. And, you know, maybe you could see them being out of it towards the end. They have shown the ability to really tank towards the ends of season which is another reason why you might have a little bit of fear here uh but no i mean it's i i think i'm gonna go with the over I, i'm not saying i like this team by any means and they have a lot of health risks and and a lot of concerns but you know 35 and a half is just so low for a team that is going to be trying and and has some talent and generally with the same cast of characters they've had has played it better than you know a 35 pick. right and i'm happy you brought up the idea of ownership and cup check because a lot of other teams you would see it as a natural evolution to to trade Kemba during this year, but that those same factors were in play last year and they didn't do it. I mean, we knew where they were at the deadline. They kept Kemba. We knew where they were going into the season. They kept Kemba. I think they're just going to roll the dice. They'll, you know, an extension with him is unlikely, but they can, you know, they can just say, hey, we can offer him more. We can offer him more years. And who knows? Maybe Kemba's, maybe Kemba will stay. Maybe he's comfortable. I, I don't, we, we haven't had the chance to see what he values. This will be his first go at unrestricted free agency. There's a very good chance that if they retain him, I will not like that contract, but that is a separate question question for whether they will keep him throughout this year, which I expect them to do. Anything else on them, or are we ready to move on to your Chicago Bulls? That reminds me of Ray Clay saying, you're world champion, Chicago Bulls. But then Ray Clay was unceremoniously dumped in 2003. Uh, That uh, ends my reminiscing of being a teenager. This line is interesting. It started at 27 and a half, moved up to 30 and a half people were pretty high on the bulls and then uh the marketing injury which we haven't talked about yet six to eight weeks uh his shoulder is actually immobilized uh 
but is an elbow injury, you know, should hopefully once he can get that shoulder mobilized again, be something where, you know, he can get back in the lineup and won't be too deterred, you know, as opposed to a lower body injury where he really has to get back in shape. Hopefully he can still do some running at least towards the ends of that recovery period. But at least this is, you could make the argument that this will actually lead to a more cogent starting lineup than they would have had before with Justin Holiday now slotting in at the three, Jabari Parker playing his natural four position. Uh, so I don't think that the loss of marketing hurts them that much. You know, he is a second year player, got a lot of potential, needs to get more shots. We're worried about him. Zach Levine looked great in the preseason, although I thought it was notable how uh, little the Pelicans were trying to stop him at the rim when, it, when he got all the way there. So I'm not going to take too much out of that one preseason game. Uh, so I predicted 27 wins on my pod with Stefan No, and that would be comfortably under, even if there is an adjustment. I haven't been able to get an updated line on this after the marketing news. I don't think it should change it that much anyway. Uh, but 30 and a half is just a massive number. Remember that they had the point differential of a 22 win team last year, and that a lot of their damage was to, when they did play well last year was done with Nikola Mirotic going crazy. This is a team that is, has developments still. Their defense is going to suck. Uh, you know, maybe Levine and Parker just go crazy. That's really the only way that I, and they become this offensive juggernaut. That's the only way I see them really you know, hitting this over. Uh, so I, I was well below where this is. I'm surprised that this has gone up as much as it has. Uh, so give me the under and I, I feel pretty good about it. They're getting the kind of big market fan enthusiasm bump that does happen sometimes with, with teams. And it, it hasn't really happened with the Lakers, which has been genuinely shocking to me. One stat I wanted to, to throw out there because it was such a weird sample here. So last season, Nikola Mirotic played 622 minutes for the Bulls. They had a basically a 111 offensive rating during that time. And then in the rest of the time that, that Mirotic didn't play, their offensive rating was a 99-2. So, that's bad. Yeah, that's real bad. And their point guard situation is basically Chris Dunn and Cameron Payne. They do have other guys on the roster that can handle the ball a little bit. I mean, Jabari is far more capable with the ball in his hands than most guys his size. Denzel Valentine can do a little bit. You know, they have they have other other players, and they like the, I like Wendell Carter. I thought he was one of the standouts, if not the standout of of summer league. But there's a big difference between being a summer league standout and being like in a regular positive player in the NBA your rookie year as a teenager. So I like Wendell Carter. I think he's going to be a good player in this league. And also he's a center. And so centers, they can help you a lot defensively, but he's not going to do a lot offensively. And so I think the Bulls are going to be legit bad defensively. And then offensively, it'll be a little bit hit or miss. You know, Levine will have some nights. Jabari will have some nights. Lowry Markin will have some nights. So I felt pretty solid about this line when it was I, when it was in the high 20s. The fact that it is now at 30 and a half and Markin is hurt. This is one of the only ones where we get a benefit kind of from waiting so i feel it's not like lock a lock or anything like that but i feel strong more strongly about this under than most on the board let's move on to cleveland here an identical 30 and a half line for them this is another struggle i mean because it was one of those ones where i i felt i was lower on them than the conventional wisdom but then the line came out lower than it would have been expected this one actually started at this exact same 30 and a half so it hasn't really moved at all i definitely am very worried about this team there's kind of this expectation that for some reason they're going to play better defense than they did last year i guess because lebron james is gone <laughs> 
Uh, and yeah, you know, he wasn't huge for their defensive culture. And now, you know, they have to try. Uh, like you, I'm not a huge believer in Ty Lu. Uh, he's had a difficult time of it imposing his own culture. So maybe that's a little unfair with how it's been with LeBron. But I certainly would not put Lou in the top half of NBA coaches at this point in time. Uh, that could change after this year. Kevin Love is a huge injury risk. Uh, in addition to uh, the idea that he can go back to being Minnesota Kevin Love, I and mean, this is a couple of surgeries and, and a number of concussions and, uh, four years later now uh, to the guy who averaged 26 and 12 and it's a different league it's a league that is much less conducive to uh his offensive talents so i don't think they're gonna be able to stop anybody you know it's hard to see how you know they have no defensive talent really on this team no room protection uh and if they're you might say hey you know if they play love at the five they can really outscore people well they don't have the personnel to play love at the five hardly at all so i don't expect that alignment to happen much either colin sexton if he plays a lot rookie point guards always a disaster so i mean i i haven't quite decided yet i want to chew this over a little bit more uh but i'll give you a stat in 738 possessions with basically no LeBron James, Isaiah Thomas, or Dwayne Wade. So I'm using that as a proxy. All of these lineups here are post-trade, the trade deadline where they brought in Clarkson and George Hill and all those guys. But with LeBron James off the floor, and these are not some of their main lineups, obviously, because James played a ton last year, but negative 7.0 differential. So that is comfortably in, you know, 55, 60 loss territory there. Here, I'll give you one that... So how I was thinking about this line was I, I I was thinking in the abstract. Okay, a team that is 20th in offense and defense, where where would they kind of fit in in the league? And nobody was straight up like 20th in both last year. The Nets were probably the closest to 22 and 22. And the Nets last year, we just talked about this. They had the point differential of a 31-win team. They actually won 28. And so I was kind of like, okay, so that's that means basically to me that if that I that concept of the Cavs, which is kind of where I am right now, is like they're you know they're not the worst defensive team, they're not the worst offensive team. And then the reason I use those two numbers is I think they have a little bit of wiggle on both sides. Like I think their offense could be a little better, I think their defense could be a little bit worse. And so if if they're at that level, if that's a fair approximation, gravity generally applies to drag down those numbers. And now we get to talk about for the first time really in this podcast a my. Yes. Pick protection because the Cavs have a top 10 protected pick that they owe to the Atlanta Hawks. And it is harder to massage from the Kyle Corver trade. What trade was that? The Kyle Corver trade. Yeah. Facilitated by the Blazers actually kind of loosening the protection because they basically got a, got the pick a year earlier. I right. can't remember whether that ended up being a good decision for them or not. I, I would have to go back and look. That's something for a future podcast. But yeah, well, I, I think that might have been the pick they drafted Caleb Swanigan with. So uh, <laughs> yeah, so then just just having uh, it in a different year would have been. I mean, but then they could have drafted Ojale and numerous other people. But so I I think that if so if a team is in that thirty one win range, this is something I didn't bring up with Brooklyn, which was an argument in favor of you or under teams that end up in that place that have their own pick or could have their own pick generally don't win thirty one. They win less because they just you know they lose a little bit towards the end of the season. And so defensively, Joe Varden laid out this case well when we did the podcast together, and I. 
pushed back on it a little bit. And I mean, you know, spite is not viable grounds for returning clothing, but it, it is viable grounds for defending maybe a little bit, you know, hey, we're look at this, we're going to do it. That's And also, as you brought up, that's the only way they're going to win is by really trying. But if they're out of the playoff race, if they, you know, especially because I think their offense is a little bit more precarious than maybe something just because LeBron was so important and they don't have that many creators on this team anymore. They have a lot of play finishers, but not a lot of play starters and seam generators that I think this team has a lot more disaster potential than something and that that the wheels could just fall all the way off the wagon and they have their own they have Kevin Love could get traded absolutely too if they I mean that's a part playing. of the rationale that was that that Joe laid out in the in the podcast of why they extended him was the idea that basically if it was a you know a procession to the end of that with the player option next year that it would have been harder to move him and so while I don't like him at this price it only ever takes one or two teams to feel comfortable with it they could also move a lot of their other veterans and then the easiest way for them to go over this number and they absolutely I mean I, I think this this line is is well said it's more well set than I expected. I thought it was going to be like 33, 34, and I was going to hammer the under. But they need improvement from somebody like Tristan Thompson. Like it's like, you know, Tristan Thompson and Jared Smith had the worst years of their career last year. If either one of those guys, if that was just an aberration, then that will help a lot. I mean, Thompson could be a much better defender than he was last year. And JR, I mean, Varden doesn't expect him to start. That's another reason why I'm surprised, like why why I'm a little bit more down on this team is that it looks like they're going to start parts of the youth movement early in the season with uh, Jetty might start. And it sounded like, yeah, it sounded like JR was going to come off the bench. Maybe Nance is going to start over Tristan Thompson. And so if they're going to do that, maybe starting right hood wherever they're going to go with that then that starts to lend itself to well if you're going in that direction then maybe you trade or dump or whatever george hill and give the keys to to colin sexton and just really let this thing right out so i don't feel good about picking the under here like it's it's so the over argument is very very easy that they're just better than this i mean that they're better than the nets they have you know kevin love is a far more established player than any of these guys but i could see the defense still being bad i think their offense has the possibility to just fall off a cliff so i'm going under anyway yeah it's just until proven otherwise i don't think this team is any good <laughs> i mean it's just a, a, and yeah 30 and a half is tough but you throw in that top 10 protected pick and uh you know i think it ends up going in that direction so i will go with the under uh, for this team but i you know I, this is not what i feel great about this is right on the borderline here uh, for me let's move on now to the detroit pistons set at 38 i picked 36 wins on the pod with feldman and so that means i will be under on the detroit pistons although i have them i think only one game shy of the playoffs uh with the juggernaut charlotte hornets who i've picked for 37 wins that could definitely be a motivation here. Another interesting coaching change, because I think in the regular season, Dwayne Casey is a better coach than Stan Van Gundy, but not by much. It's just that, and it's not like they also had this massive upgraded general manager either. They have this, it was funny, I was I was working on a piece about it, and I'm like, oh yeah, that's right. They still have this weird front office, not a vacuum, because we kind of know where it's going, but formally, it's a little bit confusing. And really what, to me, what this- Yeah, it's, it's just like kind of a slow leak. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, it, it's the it, it's like it, kind of sl- slightly under yeah it's like it's, you're, you're, you're like tire 
your tire warning gauge is going off that like you need to like put more air in yeah the tire. and so and then like uh, i believe ed stefanski is like on the executive edition of of uh open court this year and so it's kind of like oh maybe it's like it's like everybody knows at this point that basically he was that he was hired to run the gm search and he chose himself by choosing no one which is genuinely impressive that he was able to pull that off and so they're yeah d- genuinely impressive for warren Liguri, his uh who's his yes issue. absolutely and so the argument in favor of the pistons going over here is that i mean blake griffin and andre drummond are both very talented players Dwayne casey has gotten a lot out of support guys and the pistons have a lot of options there they don't necessarily have a lot of guys that i really like but like if stanley johnson has a good year or glenn robinson the third which is one of my favorite contract structures of this offseason or reggie bullock or luke Kennard, who i also really liked last year before he got hurt if reggie jackson can actually be on the floor a little bit that would be useful if only because then well that's a that's actually he had some worrying comments that uh his ankle isn't 100 percent still yeah that's not uh, great he, he has been he has been playing five and five early in camp but you know we've seen him struggle to get over injuries before and have things linger and then john lewis i mean the, their front court depth and they've got nothing behind blake griffin and andre drummond and they also don't really have anybody who can step up as a small ball four uh john lewis had surgery in august he's hopeful to get back for the pro- final preseason game but remember he missed all last season with ankle surgery as well expecting him to be effective this year is a major concern as well so but i mean they desperately need reggie jackson you know, he didn't get a chance to play at all with drummond and griffin griffin is also a, a big injury risk uh, as well big question marks on the wing you know so maybe they can come through here you know i'm not saying that this is like a, a crazy line here but uh you know i, I think that this team is uh just not not that dynamic and so uh i will go with the under 38 as i said where are you at i'm going under as well i i you brought up i think that your projection was 36 wins that's about where i would put it too and so so by the way uh this is now six of the seven that i've got under on in the east and five of the seven that you've got under on yeah and and now and one of the and one of the ones I went under on is it was a disagreement where you have a decent shot of winning, but I'm just I just believe in the Brooklyn Nets. Yeah, but I, I mean the 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 Pistons could be better than this. I mean you know, there's another another weird question with this team is going to be like kind of where do they end up in terms of offensive ranking and defensive ranking? You know, like defensively you go oh they have two bigs Blake Griffin. You know, like there have been moments where he's been a little bit better defensively. I thought Drummond and but Drummond offensively I thought last year he. Really Really showed some signs but is a lot of that going to come off the table now that Blake Griffin is there because Blake is more ball dominant than the bigs who Drummond has played with before Blake and there were signs that they were working it out a little bit and as you mentioned like the front court depth is very concerning it's also this weird situation where like they used a lot of their I use the phrase team building tools on guys that like aren't necessarily going to be a part of it right away like Kyrie Thomas and Bruce Brown both guys that I kind of like but they have a lot of bodies at the two guard so whether they're going to play or not you know they use the mid-level basically on Glenn Robinson the third, who is more of a fallback and if Stanley Johnson can't deliver. And then their front court depth is still weird. I, I don't particularly love it. And they lost Anthony Tolliver, which I think is really going to hurt because he was just such a stabilizing force for them last year. Well, actually, one of the few guys that also stayed reliably healthy and stayed on the team all of last year. So that's going to hurt. Maybe if John Lure can play more, but I'm always skeptical of that. So 
Yeah, I mean, I, I could absolutely the, the this the case for them going over is pretty it's pretty easy to me, but I just don't think it's more likely than the than that they end up under because it could be injuries, it could be ineffectiveness, it could be just them not being good enough. Like the the, the talent level, especially if Blake Griffin takes another age related step back, he's just not the guy he used to be. And I'm always skeptical of shot creating power forwards that you know because they they rely oftentimes a lot on athleticism and Blake's his underlying like he's very skilled for a power forward but I I just I think he might not age as well as, as some people think especially with his defensive limitations so you know they I I I think over over is just less likely yeah the Pistons do seem to have a pretty low range in terms of their upside and their downside you could you could see them like all right they're gonna be between 34 and yeah that was that was something I, ta- I talked uh, about with with Arturo when I did this was like what is their best case scenario and I was like ah oh, you know like maybe like 42 and it's like if that's how close it is if it's like maybe 42 or 43 wins then that probably means you should go under because there are a lot of ways that a team can lose a bunch of games I actually had their best case at 47 when I talked about it with Felton. that's more optimistic uh, than me but- yeah so let's move on here who's next the indiana pacers so the pacers last year they won 49 games they had the differential of a 46 win team as victor ladipo had one of the most remarkable improvement seasons ever to me the pacers got materially better this offseason so this is actually a line it feels like vegas like actually looked at the like point differential and, and went in on that because normally you'd see a 49 win team young team that got better with talent though they're they're not as young as some people think just because they have a lot of like the thaddeus young type guys on their roster who aren't necessarily post prime, but they're you know they're kind of around there, and so I just I, I you know the, the I think there are some concerning signs for the Pacers. Last year they had a they shot really well, and their opponent shot very poorly, and those things often regress. The best yeah. example of this last especially especially on mid range yes, jumpers. The best example of this last year was the Orlando Magic. Like the Magic had that run early in the year where everything was going well, and it was that same thing, and it didn't continue for them within the sample of a single season. For Indiana, I I think they're a good shooting team. You know, like I think there are a lot of reasons to go there, but defensively they could fall back to earth a little bit. I'm not a believer in Miles Turner really on that end. I still like his talent. I think he's a fascinating player. But Victor Oladipo is absolutely awesome. I think Tyreek is going to help them a lot and give them another another guy to really fall back on as a shot creator because they have like the Pacers have point guards that fit in well with with shot creating other guards, so they can do that. And they still don't have a, a three that I absolutely love, depending on how they're going to structure these lines. Lineups, but they have a lot of bodies and I like that and that means they'll be you know I like, said so the, the biggest argument in favor of like Kyle Quinn we both talked about his weird fit though is that if Turner or Sabonis misses time they have another guy now and they really missed that last year yeah but I think that their depth is decent I think they totally cratered when Oladipo was off the floor a year ago and now having Evans I think it can help that situation quite a bit i actually picked them for exactly 48 wins uh they started off at 47 and a half and now they're they're up to 48 on that pod uh with jay michael and so i think i will go with the over though especially because thinking of how many teams i'm going under on i think if all those teams are gonna be bad there's gonna be more wins available for good teams that like indiana i second pretty much all you said i i don't have a lot to add here there's a little concern to me that oladipo could take a step back after taking such a step forward last year that there could be some regression in the mean there but uh i like the team there they don't have a ton of regression candidates on this team at least in terms of age um not a ton of injury risk i don't think either so yeah i, I will go with the over even though i was you know i'm very torn obviously because i predicted exactly 40 
we can go to the Miami Heat. This is another one of those stability ones. The Heat won 43. They had the point differential of a 43-win team. I had that for, through, I think it was through the entire month of July. They did not sign any of any other team's free agents, and nobody signed any of their free agents, which is absolutely insane. So they have a, a remarkably stable team. And Vegas saw that. They uh, have the over-under set at 42 and a half. And I mean, they dealt with a bunch of injuries last year. And Miami, for me, you know, not only because it's a Spolster team, but because Miami and because of their personnel, that they will compete defensively. And offensively, I think they can cobble it enough together. Like I don't think they're going to be much better than 43 wins, but I do feel pretty good about the over here just because that feels like where they're going to be. Yeah, and another situation where you just see the rest of these teams in the east and you're like you know Miami's a lot better than some of these teams and they're gonna be playing them so uh you know i do think the conference disparity is overrated a little bit i mean you play 50 80 year games against the same teams every year between east and west uh but this was a, the 20th ranked offense a year ago and the eighth ranked defense i think they could be a little bit better on defense and a little bit better on offense i liked what they brought last year they have some young guys who i think can get better we could see some regression from the likes of James Johnson. I think Hassan Whiteside will be better this year. Uh, he struggled with a hip injury throughout most of last year. Some knee issues as well, as I recall. And so uh, that was a concern. I don't expect him to necessarily get traded because uh, his contract is not particularly movable. But yeah, I, I don't feel amazing about it. But I do think that this is a solid team with uh, some depth. They can withstand injuries. They're well coached. They play hard. And uh, so that's why I'm going to go with the over for the Miami Heat as well. And, you know, I I don't have a ton of extra analysis uh, to add here because it's the same team. So I just go back to what we said last year, I suppose. Um, And I think they're just, you know, right around the same type of range. 144 a year ago, I see them right about there. Well, the other thing I want to bring in, though, is the possibility that they get like Jimmy Butler. You know, if they get if they something like that happens, I think that will make them a markedly better team. I love Josh Richardson, but Jimmy. Jimmy Butler is a really, really good basketball player. And generally speaking, the team that trades away a star gets less on the dollar than they than they give up in that player. So it's reasonable to expect should a deal like that happen, that that would make Miami better. And there aren't that many other star deals that I think Miami is going to be a part of. They're also always, to me, an intriguing, not only a buyout team, but just cultivating. You know, maybe they find somebody in the G League and they can bring them up and then they become a rotation player. And that actually brings up somebody that I think is an important return on this team is right. Magruder. I really like Rodney Magruder and just having him back in the rotation. Waiters is still his own thing. We don't know how long he's going to be out. He, he played 31 minutes in the preseason. I know. It was exciting. And I, I like Magruder. And, <laughs> and Miami just has a lot of those type of guys. And like, I don't know what's going on with Hassan Whiteside, but they have Bam. They have Kelly Olynyk. They can go in these different directions. James Johnson's still out, but he'll be back at some point, hopefully. And they can roll with all that. My biggest concerns are they don't really... I, I mean, they're, they really only have two guys that I... Th- considered reliable shot creators Dwayne Wade who's in his last season and Goran Dragic who I still love and so if one of those guys gets hurt that becomes a problem I this could be a weird crunch time team but I still like Miami overall so I'm going over yeah I like the over as well and something that you should like if you have to deal with unexpected repairs or medical expenses credit card debt is lendingclub.com they give you access to low rates on loans of up to forty thousand dollars for almost any purpose it's a lot easier than going to a bank and they offer lower rates than high interest credit cards 
go to lendingclub.com. It's pretty easy. You enter the amount you need and you see if you're approved in just minutes. You pick the offer that's right for you and the money can be in your account just days later. They've been going for more than 10 years now and they've helped millions of people with over $31 billion in loans. Take charge of your finances today with Lending Club especially if you've got credit card debt, you owe it to yourselves to take a look at Lending Club, see if you can get that rate down. The way to get started with them, lendingclub.com slash capspace to check your rate for free. And checking your rate won't impact your credit score. Another reason to go and at least check it out. See if uh, if you have debt, if they can help you. Once again, that's lendingclub.com slash capspace. Lendingclub.com slash capspace. All loans made by WebBank, member FDIC, equal housing lender. The Milwaukee Bucks... This is an interesting one. Didn't change their team much. They do have Brooke Lopez to help out at center. They got Ursan Ilyasova. Those are the big changes. Jabari Parker is gone, although he did not play much last year and was not a positive presence when he did play. Mike Budenholzer is the big addition for this team. They did not have a great point differential a year ago, and yet they opened at 46.5 and now sit at 48.5. That is a high number to get 49 wins uh, for the Milwaukee Bucks, but I picked them to win 49 games this season on the pod with Frank Madden, and therefore that means I'm picking the over, although I'm not entirely enthused about it. I'm a little bit enthused about it, and the reason why is because this will be the ultimate test case for the importance of coaching. I mean, not only do you have, I mean, because Kid was a disaster, but Prunty was not much better. There was that yeah. like two day span when it's like, oh look, look at what they're they're doing. They're doing more <laughs> like this stuff defensively, and so you have a, a couple of different angles on that. One is just the low hanging fruit on both ends of the floor. List people who listen to this show at all or who watch the Twitter NBA show last year when we did Bucks games will know this well. I mean, defensively, just a cogent scheme will make a massive difference for them. They have tons of physical talent to be a good defensive team. And then the other thing that I think is really going to help, not only in terms of the one place they did upgrade their personnel significantly, is at center. Now, if John Henson isn't the answer, I mean, I already brought up the Lucy and the football analogy. Thon Maker could be that again. Damn it. If he has another like another good postseason and then doesn't do it in the regular season. But now they have Brooke Lopez as well. And so Lopez, certainly not a perfect fit defensively, but offensively gives them some floor spacing and yeah they did lose Jabari Parker but Jabari Parker was more of a talent than a contributor last year largely because he missed so much of the regular season with his with recovering from his ACL tear and I think something that got lost in the shuffle a little bit last year was just how much they missed Malcolm Brogdon being Malcolm Brogdon even though they got Eric Bledsoe Brogdon played less than fewer than 1500 minutes last year I think he could help they also have more options on the perimeter now maybe it's Sterling Brown maybe it's not but maybe it's vertical champion Patrick Connaughton Tony Snell, I think, can have a way better year. They just have a lot of guys. And Budenholzer, I I trust him more to find the answers here. And also, the thing that we have to talk about here is the possibility, not an inevitability, but the possibility, maybe probability, that Giannis takes another big step forward. And if that happens, if he becomes not only like a, moves from a fringe MVP candidate to a bona fide MVP candidate, then that will elevate everybody else on this team and elevate the team as well. Yeah, and I trust Bud to get more out of some of these supporting talents than Kidd and Prunty were but as I said on the pod with Frank this is a case of putting my money where my mouth has been oh my god the Bucks have so much talent Kidd is squandering it Prunty is squandering it well okay now they got a coach that we think is is a good coach I evaluated that talent as being better than what they were getting out of it so now it's time to actually pick them to be good and 49 wins is a lot given where this team has been but given that most of the players on this team you expect them to be better this year uh, there are 
young enough or, or at least not old enough that you expect any kind of regression. You mentioned the potential improvement from Giannis. Uh, the defense in particular, you think, can get a lot better. Uh, under Budenholzer, who's been a solid defensive coach, he can get a lot out of these athletes, I think, especially in the regular season. I'm not sold on Bud as a playoff coach, but I do think his teams execute. And if you can get this team to execute defensively, they have a lot of defensive talent. So, all right, I, I, I'm going over, even though, again, it's not one that I am very high. And I'm surprised, actually, that you were as uh, as high in the over. Well, but, I, I also, uh, well, well I'll say here. briefly, not... I also oh, think yeah, on talent, ahead. they're the fourth best team in the Eastern Conference. And so I think they'll get some benefits there. Yeah. From just yeah. beating up I, on I all mean, these I other all these other bad teams so i think they'll really help benefit from that and i I think actually a playoff series in the four or five between them and indiana would be an awesome series i would really look forward to that if that happens so let's jump forward to the New York Knicks, a team that I don't think is going to be battling in the 4-5 round of the playoffs. They Last year, they won 28. They had the point differential, 30 and a half. They basically played half the season without Kristaps Porzingis. That is about the estimate for how much they'll play without him this year. First of all, there's also a big mechanical difference between having your best player out for the first half of the year and the second half of the year in terms of where you are. But the other thing, so as I was watching, I think it was yesterday, I was watching Zach Levine look a lot better physically for the Chicago Bulls. That made me feel more confident in this under because I remember that, you know, I'm so thankful that he's closer, if not closer to 100%. But last year, he just looked rough. And, it, you know, it's it's the reminder that it takes a year to get back from an ACL tear, but then it takes another stretch of time for you to look right. And so if that happens with Porzingis, who is a much larger human being and not the same caliber of athlete athlete to Zach Levine is. So part of that goes one way, part of that goes the other way because he doesn't rely on his athleticism as much. But if, you know, let's say Porzingis misses the first 35 games or so, but then he's rusty for 15 to 20 games, then this team is going to be real bad. And so then at that point, you're kind of, you already you already know where you are. Maybe you're like a 25-26 win team. So that's why I'm going under. Yeah, this incredibly started at 29 and a half. And I wish we could have done this podcast when this these came out because, man, would I have been all over that under. And I still am all over the under. You know, I don't think Porzingis is going to help a ton this year. How much he's even going to play is a question. be interesting to see what happens as far as him getting an extension done before the season. It's, uh, you know, the fact that it hasn't been done yet means you could see it going down to the wire and maybe it just won't happen because of their free agent aspirations. They, could open up about nine million or so i think in cap space by not extending and we did that mock extension pods uh with feldman in mid-august if you want to get some more of our thoughts uh, on that with us getting into rookie extension season but i mean they don't have anybody on this team i mean, I mean who again are the quality players the quality starters on this team they have nobody create offense whatsoever i mean you know ennis Cantor is a solid offensive center also potentially a buyout candidate by the way uh Kevin Knox looks like he's actually going to be starting at the three. Uh, Mario Hazonia, uh, Emmanuel Moutier could figure. Frank Nilakina still is not going to be there as an offensive player. Courtney Lee is a potential trade candidate. Uh, he's probably one of their best guys in the perimeter still. Tim Hardaway took a little bit of a step forward next year, but he's or, or last year, I'm sorry, but he's not. I mean, like, who are the good players on this team? I mean, you're, again, Trey Burke was a, a flash in the pan last year. Is he going to start at point guard for them this season? Is he going to continue the scorching shooting that he had on mid-rangers? Probably not. Yeah, I mean, I, like this team seems like a 24-25 win team. Like, a, why are they any different than, like, the Hawks or something? 
I think they have a few more established veterans. Okay. And I'm basically not counting. I'm basically not counting Porzingis at all. I, I think he's to the extent he plays at the end of the year, you know, maybe he wins them a couple of games at the end of the year if he's back. But I don't, I mean, I think he, they're going to manage his recovery very conservatively. And again, as you said, you know, guys coming off an ACL tear in the middle of the season are generally not effective. I think their veterans are better than the Hawks, but not by that much. And they don't have, and also they could clear some of those guys out. I mean, one of the. Kent Bay. Bazemore is better than anyone they have on the wing. Prince is probably better than anyone they have on the wing. Yeah, that's probably true. I mean, and, and, and the Knicks, are they could be that kind of entertaining bad. Dwayne Dedman is better than anyone they have at center. Yeah, I guess I'd rather have him than Canner. I Maybe just because he's more stable defensively and, you know, Canner. John Collins might be better than anyone they have at power <laughs> forward. <laughs> I mean, the, and now, you know, the Hawks are going to be starting Trey Young and, and uh, you know, the, 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 I mean, I'm not saying that like they're clearly better than the Knicks, but like, well, and that, and that's what level. I was getting at. I was like, I the Knicks could be why. fun in games and then end up losing them. Like if Knox has, has a good year, Mitchell Robinson is going to be, I think the, to use the term you use, he's going to be a curio this year. I think that's, you know, more than he'll be like a consistent dominant force. You know, he'll have some moments probably, and they'll probably shift to those young guys. One big question with the Knicks is also going to be, do they trade some of those veterans in season? Cause they're trying to clear cap space as best they can. And if they could find somebody who wants Courtney Lee, I think they would absolutely pull the trigger on that. And then Noah's, not really value added like that's that's not the same kind of situation and who knows maybe they even find a taker for Tim Hardaway so I think if they make moves in season they will make those moves will make them worse let's get to Orlando here 31 is the line for them actually started at 31 and a half so it's gone down uh, by 0.5 which makes things a little more difficult for me you and I did the pod together on them and this will be real interesting because I predicted them for exactly 31 and you predicted them for 30 <laughs> so uh I have a decision to make uh I I guess you're gonna go under yeah I've been really grappling with the magic because there are a lot of things that I do like about this team I mean Clifford should be, be a better coach for them than Vogel was though the argument for Clifford is very similar to the argument for Vogel before he took the job you know stable defense maybe you can figure out some stuff offensively and this team doesn't have great personnel for what we think of as a Steve Clifford team the big the big concern for me is just I mean the point guard situation it's really I mean Augustine and Grant is just a major concerning they can rely a little bit on Fournier to generate offense and then defensively they can they can do some things but it depends on what lineups they put out there and like this was a challenge that came up I was talking with uh, a couple basketball people actually on Gchat over the last couple days trying to figure out the 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 optimal kind of lineup type stuff for the magic and I just couldn't really put together a five-man group that made sense not only with their priorities but also with like trying to be a winning basketball team so like Vooch is a great example here Vooch is better than Mo Bamba right now but there are reasons you would want to play Mo Bamba and there are reasons that you know that there are limitations with Vooch on this on this squad that it's going to be a lot harder to defend people than the limitations for guys like Fournier defensively and whatever the hell they do with the three so I just think it's hard it's hard to put this team together I am gonna go under but it's it's a close call I think this is a really good line yeah Josh Robbins uh, their beat writer said his belief is that they're gonna start John Isaac at the three Aaron Gordon 
Jordan at the four and then Vucevic at the five. I guess you really kind of need Vucevic's offensive ability and spacing because you're not getting that really with Isaac and Gordon at the, the three and four. In some ways, this is reminiscent of them starting Gordon at the three uh, in the first Vogel year two years ago. You know, I don't think that they are going to have enough ball handling, but then they don't really have a true three. I'm not sure. I think defensively that could work pretty well. We'll see, you know, Isaac, I don't see him being able to like get through screens and conventional pick and roll defense necessarily though. Uh, and I kind of like him being closer to the rim. So, I, you know, it's an idea of getting some of your best prospects on the floor, but you know, I think I'd rather that they just played Isaac at center uh, rather than, you know, and they're not going to start him at center obviously. And then, you know, Bombo, we'll see how much he plays. This is also another team that's got a lot of trade candidates on it. Uh, guys who are useful veterans, uh, Fournier, DJ Augustin, Terrence Ross, Vucevic are, are both expiring contracts. Fournier and Augustin are not expiring contracts, but the, the last two guys are. If I have to pick, I mean, it just feels like, again, they're kind of an irrelevant lottery type of team. So, and they'll be playing for lottery positioning at the end. So I, I'll go under, but obviously I picked exactly what the line was uh, before knowing what it was. So uh, don't feel strong either way, but I will go. Here, Nate, I'll give you an option. If you pick a push and they push, I'll give you like five points. If you get an exacta, if you get the exact total. <laughs> five. What, what, what is a point? Oh, like just in our mm-hmm. like, competition or whatever. Yeah, I don't think that really. Oh, that would have been so much fun. Uh, that, that would. <laughs> I mean, we still know what we predicted. You can work for pride here. You, how about you just give me like five utiles instead? I, I don't even know what that is. Uh, all right, let's uh, move on here. Who's next? The Philadelphia 76ers. So last year, Sixers won 51 games. They had the point differential of a 54.5 win team. And you want to guess what the Vegas over-under is? Oh, man. 54.5. Well, I don't have to guess because I have it right here in the spreadsheet. But yes, 54.5. Interesting that Markel Fultz started in lieu of J.J. Redick. That seems like it could be a Brett Brown motivational... Oh, we're really supporting Markel, blah, blah. There's no way that that's the best lineup for this team. Um, At this point, I don't think, I mean, Fultz looked okay, but, you know, they're playing against an Australian team. So there's not a ton to take away from that. We have not seen Fultz in that first game be aggressive from three-point range. The video of him shooting has not been that encouraging. It's obviously better than it was, but I don't expect him to be taking a ton of threes in games. If he does, it'll be slow release spot ups with a ton of space. Uh, And they're going to try really hard to integrate him into the lineup early on. Wilson Chandler now out two to three weeks with a hamstring injury. That's not a great way to get his season started. And Kevin Pelton, among others, has noted how much they actually are relying on Wilson Chandler this season as a backup. Redick, hard to see him having the exact same year that he had last year. Uh, and certainly there's the possibility of injury for Joel Embiid. Ben Simmons, you know, maybe he'll take a step forward. You expect that. But he's also a guy who doesn't have a ton of low-hanging fruit in his game because the, the jumper, I think, is going to be difficult for him to improve. And he said he's not taking threes, obviously, but he's hopeful to be a little more aggressive just when guys totally lay off of him. I'm just a little bit worried about their bench and their depth, and I think they're going to be experimenting a lot early in the season. This also feels like a little bit more of a consolidation year 
for this team now because they didn't make that big free agent addition. They rolled over their cap space again until next year. And really the only way I see them getting a lot better is if Embiid and Simmons take big steps forward. And I don't see either of them really having a ton of ways that to improve and Embiid, you know, he was a rookie two years ago, but obviously has missed a bunch of time in his career. Um, and so, you know, he's a little older than you think. He's, he's in his mid-20s now. This is, I expect them to be a good team. You mentioned they had the good point differential a year ago, but I'm not sure that they're improved. And they also, I mean, remember how much they took off and maybe they'll be effective on, on the buyout market this year and they've got that room exception to work with. Uh, but I don't think this team is quite complete yet. I think they're going to be still in kind of more of a building mode. Brett Brown doesn't feel any kind of pressure at this point. He's probably the most powerful person in the organization, although they did bring in Elton Brand. We could talk a little bit more about that at, at another time. Uh, so I think the and you know, coming from that San Antonio tree, they kind of mix and match early in the season and try to hit their stride late. So I am going to go under here. I think they easily could go over, but this is a, I just not quite enough of a believer in these guys that are like, oh man, they're going to be so much better than last year, especially when you consider uh, that the bench is looking a little thin right now. This is one of our stronger disagreements because I feel pretty good about the over here. The, I think the Sixers, their, wow. their defense is absolutely for real for me. And offensively, I think they'll get a lot better just with adjustments. Simmons, I mean, yes, you can do the stupid hashtag not a rookie, all that type of stuff. It was his first NBA season adjusting to him he's a very different type of guy to play with Embiid I expect him you know I, I hope I sure as hell hope that he plays more than 63 games you know he was on pace to have uh I mean it was a phenomenal season but on pace to have you know to play more games than I anticipated you know I think he'll be able to take a step up from there and you brought up the bench that is a fair concern but it's also worth noting that the first half of last year they had a bad bench too I mean they, I think it was I looked it up it was a negative 3.2 net rating for their bench the first half of, of last year so you can I, I I think that the same concerns are going to be there, but there's kind of a greater force in play. I think they have more options now than they did before. You know, Marco Fultz is actually you know even if he's not great, he'll and I think he'll he'll bring some bring some fire there. You know, Amir is fine. You know, all that all, all that type of stuff, and so. Wilson Chandler is an option, all that kind of stuff. They'll have, of course, DJ McConnell. So I think their defense is legit. I think they're they can make some make some strides offensively. And I thought they, it, you know, there are people like when I've said like I'm a really big believer in the Sixers this year. People said, oh, you know that that because I talked about that run they had the end of last year. They were playing against bad teams that weren't really trying and all this type of stuff. Yeah, but they were playing a lot of it without Joel Embiid. They weren't at full strength. And I, I think I think there's a chance that we that that they they end up being unambiguously one of the five best teams in the league this year and for me if you're one of the five best teams in the league you're probably going to win more than 55 it's not guaranteed but i think there's a good shot of it so i'm going over and i feel pretty good about it yeah that, that is a, a disagreement and I, you know they definitely have a lot of talent on this team i'm just not quite sure how it all fits together you know they got to the ninth ranked offense last year but that felt like smoke and mirrors a little bit to me so i i think you know if simmons and Embiid take big steps forward and stay healthy maybe you're right there but i'm uh you know, i'm not saying like they can't get there but it's just a lot seems like a lot of things have to go right and you'll remember too i mean even to get to where they were a year ago you know they had that miracle run at the end of the season which you know so much of that was against crappy tanking teams that weren't trying and i expect there to not be quite as many of those this season so it's just it, but it's more just that that line is high you know if this if this line were 53 i probably would go with those 
Without any further comments, we can move on to the Toronto Raptors. The Raptors last year had the best record in the Eastern Conference. They won 60 games. They had a the point differential of a 60-win team. They have a lot of turnover. I mean, they DeMar DeRozan, Jakob Pertl are gone. Kawhi Leonard, Danny Green are there. And Dwayne Casey's gone. Nick Nurse is there. We'll see how that impacts the regular season and the playoffs. I really like this over. I am a believer in this new look Toronto Raptors team. They're deep. They're intriguing defensively. I what Nick Nurse is doing offensively. I mean, I think you would probably you might have watched more of that first game than I did. But I mean, I, I've been reading. Sirit Sohi wrote a nice piece for I believe it's SB Nation about kind of some of the ideas and how he's going to be more aggressive, letting guys grab and go. I think that fits with their talent. The same depth that killed teams last year is largely there. They will miss Pirtle. So I'm going over here, and, and it's going to be one of my best bets. I'm not sure it's going to be one of my best bets, but I will go over as well. There's always the concern of regression from Cal Lowry, but their depth is extremely strong on this team. I think that their bench will continue to excel. And Kawhi Leonard looked pretty decent in that game. Again, you know, one preseason game, don't want to go too far. But I think if he stays healthy, he's going to give them more than DeRozan did last year. They were great statistically last season. And most, most of this team is young guys who you expect to be better this season. Uh, I think that they are going to be a monster defensively now. I think that's where Leonard will be felt, you know, to take a weak link that you had to play at all times in DeRozan and turn him into maybe the best perimeter defender of this generation in Kawhi Leonard. And I think that Kawhi, you know, he may not be quite the same guy on offense that he was two years ago in San Antonio, but I still expect him to be pretty good. And they added Danny Green as well, another quality perimeter defender. Looks like they're going to go more in small switchable lineups. OG Ananobi is going to hopefully take another step forward this year. He's an awesome defender and some of the lineups that they can put out there defensively are just massive and they might even be able to put out the best defensive lineups in the entire nba you know boston and golden state can give them a run for their money but man i mean this is just should be an incredible defense the coaching is probably the biggest question mark for them at this point with nick nurse although you know you hear the right things about him but you know he certainly is unproven and has a little bit more in theory of an offensive bent but yeah i mean i think this team is going to be nasty i think even if Kawhi has to miss some games which you he presumably will for maintenance trying to manage that quad issue but i i think this team is going to be a monster defensively i mean they, they're a top three defense at a minimum and you know i think they could be even better offensively than they were last year as well so i i love this team um yeah i i, I like them for the over by quite a bit as well last up the washington wizards the wizards biggest change was presumably at the center position they swapped Marcin Gortat for Dwight Howard. They also added in Austin Rivers and brought in Jeff Green. Last year was a, a strange one for them. They won 43 games, had the point differential of a 43-win team, but they also battled through injuries. I mean, John Wall only played in 41 games. Markeith missed some time. And Sadoransky, they did better in John Wall's absence than I ever expected. And they and that that credit goes to Scott Brooks, goes to all the, all the players on the team. Beal had a, a better year than I anticipated. And all the other guys stayed pretty good. I think they, they, they might not get as much health from the rest of the team and I don't know what John Wall we're going to see but with it set at 45 I think of this team at the expected not full strength because that's not fair to expect but at the expected level of health that I'm anticipating that they're more like a you know 46 47 win team where maybe we're not super enthused about it but they still win a fair number of games so I'm gonna go over 
I picked him for 44 wins. Line is 45, so I'm going to go under. Mostly health-related there. I mean, I think at absolute full strength and full effectiveness as well. Let's not forget that John Wall was pretty limited last year, and we really haven't seen him. You know, he came back pretty late in the year from that surgery. Uh, You know, we haven't seen him look like the same guy yet, and it's possible that maybe that just won't happen, Uh, or it's possible that he could be the same guy and then could get injured again. Uh, Howard is already struggling with back issues. That's never a good sign for him. I think that so much of his effectiveness is just, all right, how does he feel with his knee and his back? issues on a given day could be minor but nonetheless something that you worry about and again i don't think this is like a crazy line here to go under i think if they are at absolute full strength they're you know they're a 47 win team as you said but i think i'm just pricing in some health concerns a little bit more than you are so i don't really have much more to say than that i mean this is the same team that it's always been basically so there's uh they're about the same well they did get to 49 wins two years ago though i think they only had a 47 win point differential even that year and they had unbelievable health and then you know last year i was a little more pessimistic on them as a result of worrying about their health and you know they probably were i mean brad beal played a ton uh he's been okay the last couple of years they also played these guys a lot of minutes too you know i'm not a believer in this team's medical staff to keep guys healthy so i i I worry a little bit if Otto porter goes down that's a huge blow as well if he has any kind of issues, Howard, again, you know, they don't really have anything in the middle behind him. So I will uh, go with the under here. And I think that will just about uh, well, wrap things I'll, I'll, up. Let me do, we'll save uh, some of our best bets I'll, for later in the week. I'll do the quick rundown just so people here. have it at the end of the episode so we can go through it. So our, our three disagreements are Brooklyn at 32. I went over, yeah. you went under. The Philadelphia 76ers at 54 and a half. I went over, you went under. And the Wizards at 45. I went over, you went under. And then our agreements, Atlanta under 24, Boston under 59 and a half, Charlotte over 35 and a half, Chicago (laughs) under 30 and a half, Cleveland under 30 and a half, Detroit under 38, Indiana over 48, Miami over 42 and a half, Milwaukee over 48 and a half, the Knicks under 48, the Magic under 31, the Raptors over 55. Yeah, so I only had five. That's really interesting, actually. I had five over and 10 unders in the Eastern Conference. And you actually had eight overs and seven unders. Every single one we disagree on, I went under and you went over. Uh, and then in the West, I only had <laughs> I only had six six overs. So I have a, a total of 11 overs and 19 unders. Uh, that, that's kind of interesting. Uh, the, those who say that we're too negative, uh, there's some fodder for you. Oh, before we head out, I will, I, I've been debating whether I want to announce this before it comes out, but since I'm not going to be the guest on tomorrow's episode, I'll, I'll, I'll do it now. So the thing that I alluded to yesterday is my, my new project for The Athletic. I, over the off season, because I'm restless, I've done 30 season, it's kind of a hybrid, it's a season preview and a 2019 off season preview for all 30 teams. They're coming out over two weeks, so it's going to be a deluge of my stuff, and they're going to be released division by division the first division will be the atlantic i do not know whether they're coming out on tuesday wednesday or thursday but that is my big project so you're going to get its projected cap space it's free agents big questions for the season i've it's a project that i've thought about doing for the last three years and never had the time or the energy and just went no i'm gonna do it i'm gonna get it done so look forward to sharing all of that with the world having basically written somewhere between 40 and fifty thousand words that no one has seen yet Yay! All right, thanks for listening, and we'll be back with, I hope, a special guest tomorrow. Talk to you all then. Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So... 
No, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. 